in the morning. When you want the news, you need the front page every hour on the press box. Nothing's writing on this except the uh, First Amendment of the Constitution, freedom of the press, and maybe the future of the country. Not that any of that matters. And now, the news. The Rangers beat the Penguins in overtime of Game 7. Artemi Panarin scored the game-winning goal, and Gerard Gallant ah, is going to the Turk. second round. Turk is on to the second round. Do you think George McPhee regrets firing Gerard Gallant today? I think George McPhee would never admit that. The ego would get in the way. Uh, inside, think, deep inside. I don't think he does. The ego, probably not. Yeah, but I, 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 I honestly don't think he does. I don't think he looks back and thinks that was a mistake. Oh, I don't think those guys look back and think anything's a mistake. <laughs> hey, they once said trading for Tomas Tatar was a mistake. Did they say that? After they traded for Pacioretty, they were like, he said something like, you can't let one mistake force you oh, into another Oh, wow, one. I missed that. He I did, missed that They one. did admit. Really? No, it was after they got rid of Tatar, but they did admit. I was hoping it was after they got rid of him, <laughs> not when he was still there. Boy, this guy, too bad we <laughs> traded for him. Going out there, you're on the third line. They did admit trading for Tatar was a mistake because the coach they fired, like, a year later, refused to play Tomas Tatar. Yeah. So, not the greatest mix there. Um, the funniest thing from this game, the Rangers win it in overtime. And in the little post game, the, I, I can't remember who was calling the game, but the color analyst, he was like, well, we can't forget Gerard Gallant called that timeout in overtime to remind Artemi Panarin to shoot. And I was like, no, he didn't. What are you talking about? We're giving Gerard Gallant credit for telling a guy to shoot the puck? Why would he say that? I don't know. How would he know that? I don't know. Because he was trying to find something to give credit for Gerard Gallant. I couldn't figure it out. But he was just like trying to give Gallant credit for something. And he was like, he reminded Artemi Panarin to shoot. You're the color commentator way up in the press box. How in the world would you know what Gerard Gallant's saying during a timeout? He reminded Panarin to shoot. And when he did, they won won the the game. game, That's coaching. Just think, the Golden Knights would still be playing if Pete DeBoer just reminded William Carlson to shoot. Yeah. Hey. Or Jack shoot. Eichel. Jack, hey. you, Jack, you shoot. pass. You pass, Jack. You know what? Shoot. Do that thing where you shoot <laughs> Do it. Do that thing. <laughs> well, I don't know if you'd remind William Carlson this year. And you know what's funny? That might not have been all Gerard Gallant said in the huddle. Shoot. <laughs> Just, uh, shoot. Keyshawn Hall will visit UNLV this week. He's a 2022 recruit, unranked by 24-7 sports. UNLV's in his final four with Missouri, Arizona State, and St. Mary's. Kevin Kruger still recruiting freshmen. Yeah. You find that interesting? I mean, you have to have one. You don't have I mean, to. I, I, guess mean, you, I mean, I guess you get a 12 from the portal. <laughs> you don't have to. You could have zero. Missouri, well... Come on now. You know about Missouri. Oh, he's fighting Desiree Uh-oh, Francois. He's, oh, man. He's all Uh-oh. over uh, that disaster. So DRF. Here's what I think is interesting about this. Are they done in the portal? Because they have... Well, where a, are, where, Donovan Williams two? hasn't... Has I think it's three. If Donovan Williams goes, three? if he goes, I think there's three left. If they he, have three if he goes? Yeah. If he comes back, they have two scholarships left open. So they they... They still they need to add some players, right? And presumably, you would use those last couple of spots on guys that might help you win this season. I'm guessing Keyshawn Hall, an unranked recruit, is not walking in and playing 25 minutes a game. 
Maybe he does, but I'm guessing he so doesn't. he's an unsigned 2022. Right. So what I find interesting about this is maybe they're done in the portal. Maybe they there's nobody else that they have, they, they've tried to get some other guys and haven't gotten the interest back they wanted, whatever. And now they're saying, all right, we got two, maybe three if Donovan Williams goes. Open spots on the roster. Let's go fill this out. And maybe it's Keyshawn Hall that's one of the guys that comes in. Well, and nowadays with the portal, because some, a lot of guys have one year. Remember, remember in the past, you'd always save one for a bounce back. Like, I don't know if you need to do that in the portal anymore because you always have guys with one year left anyway. Yeah. So the scholarship's going to be available the following year, no right. matter what. Right. They're going to be back in the portal. Yeah, they'll again. be back. They're the going to have plenty anyway. of open spots next yeah. year. So, yeah, I, I just, it's interesting that we're, you know, it's May 16th and a, a kid that will be a freshman next year is just now visiting UNLV and could end up coming to UNLV. It's an interesting timing that I think sort of indicates they're done in the portal either because there's nobody else they want or the right. players they did want are going when somewhere else. going somewhere else. And they've got open spots, and you you don't want to just have open spots. That'd be a stupid thing to do. Right. Swinging a ground ball to second. Van Mater slides from his knees, throws him out, and the Pirates have been no hit, and they've <laughs> never been happier. They beat the Reds one to nothing. <laughs> The Reds threw a no-hitter and lost. Hunter Green, the starter, threw seven and a third, didn't allow a hit. Art Warren came in as a reliever, threw two-thirds, didn't allow a hit. But here's how the bottom of the eighth with the Pirates at bat went. Three one-out walks to load the bases, and then a fielder's choice where Cincinnati tried to turn a double play that would have ended the inning, but were too slow turning it. That allowed Pittsburgh to score on a fielder's choice, and it was the only run scored in the game, and Pittsburgh won one nothing. Only, only the Reds. Only the Reds. It's happened apparently six times in baseball where a team did not register a hit and won the game. The last time was actually the Dodgers in 2008. Yes. Did not have a hit against the Angels right. and still won the game. That it, it, I still can't quite figure it out, get over it, but that is so much more embarrassing than actually getting no hit is no hitting your opponent and losing. Oh, sure. It's worse. It's far worse for the team that threw the no hitter. And granted, the starter got pulled, but the Reds don't even technically get credited as throwing a no hitter because you have to throw nine innings for it to go down as an official no hitter. And because the Pirates didn't have to bat in the bottom of the ninth because they were winning, it's not a no hitter. And they lost the game without giving up a hit. What a special team the Reds are. Yeah, the Reds, this is, this, I'm trying to think of something, had it been a perfect game that they lost, because I think that. Well, that's impossible. Well, no, okay, you, it's a perfect game through nine innings, and then in the 10th, you lose the okay. game. Okay, yeah, yes. yeah, the ghost runner comes around to score <laughs> yeah. on, like, yes. a ground out and a pop, a sack fly, yeah. <laughs> perfect game, loss in 10 innings, one nothing. That would be fun, I hope that happens, and that's why we should keep the ghost runner in place, just for that possibility. Exactly. <laughs> That's crafty wording right there. I give you credit. <laughs> the Grizzlies general manager says they will pay to keep their core together. Zach Kleiman said, we're not going to have any issues paying anyone who we want to pay. There's never going to be any issue with retention here. Here's my question on the Grizzlies, though. Are they title contenders? With the with the group of players I mean, they have going forward, are they legitimate title contenders? Title contenders, I'm not so sure about I that. I don't think they are either. I don't think they are. Title contenders, like they could win it all. Yes. Even with the even with the young team they have, I'm gonna say no. I think they need 
one other really good player on that team who is, well, preferably he's better than John Moran, but that's hard to do. But second, the second best player on that team is not on the roster if they're going to be title contenders. I think that's where the Grizzlies are. They add I that. If they can get that. They add that player, they're title contenders. But that's a hard. That's thing a hard thing to, to do, do for Memphis, right? And so I think we're looking at a Memphis team that is it's going to be it's good. going to be in the playoffs, right? Might going to win a series. Maybe they make it to the Western Conference Finals. But I think we're looking at the Damian Lillard Trailblazers. We're looking at hell the the previous Memphis teams with Zach Randolph and and right. Marcus All that were good. We could take title contenders to the edge, but were never truly title contenders themselves because they were missing that one more player that would have put them into that discussion or into that realm. And maybe I will say this. If we continue to have the injuries we have in the NBA playoffs, if any given year, the Grizzlies are simply the healthiest team, then they could they might have a shot. Right, with if, if like, Oh, the top three teams in the West right. all don't have their best player. The Grizzlies are certainly good right. enough to do that. But if we have relative health, I don't think this team is actually going to be good enough to win an NBA title. What do you think? Jarvis Landry signed with the Saints. So the Saints now will have Michael Thomas, Chris Olave, the first round pick, and Jarvis Landry as their top three wide receivers. Landry, uh, career low, 570 yards last year, only played in 12 games. But if you go back from 2015 to 2019, he averaged over a thousand yards per season for five years. He's now 30. Can he be anywhere close to a thousand yard receiver? Again? I don't think he can be. Not with the Saints in terms of quarterback situation, in terms of his age. He's 30 now when you usually see some kind of dip in most guys. So I'm going to say no. I don't think he's going to be close to a thousand yards. And especially, you know, last year, yeah, I know it's only in 12 games that he's at 570. So I don't think he gets to a thousand. Even if Jameis is throwing 30 picks and they're playing from behind all the time. he Listen, if Jameis has 30 picks again, they're all, all those receivers are getting 1,000 yards because they're throwing it 60 times a game. It'll be a lot of fun. Uh, I'm I'm curious to see, the, do the Saints feel like they have a, uh, have a good team, just Jameis is the quarterback? Because Jameis is the quarterback? And it, it makes it feel like, okay, they'll win eight or nine games, and in the NFC, that'll probably be enough to make the playoffs, but... They're not actually good. Can Jameis win nine games? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Did he, did he do that once in Tampa, or am I wrong? I don't remember. I'm did on he? it. Did he? I've got to go look it up. Go to the next one. <laughs> go to the next one. We don't need to know what Jameis' record was in Tampa. I thought pay, I thought uh, I, I thought the old quarterback was coming back. I thought he got fired from NBC. Yeah, great question. Yeah, yeah he did. Great question. Not He's if no you believe his Twitter account. <laughs> He, did, he said he didn't get fired. He came out. Sean Payton. Uh, Drew Brees came Drew Brees. out and tweeted, don't believe the stories. I'm still deciding what I want to do with my future. Oh, and that right. could be calling games. He was off Notre whatever. Dame games. He was off NBC. Yeah. He, but he tweeted out saying, don't believe these reports. Right. So who knows what Drew Brees is doing. Um, Cam Lampkin is not coming to UNLV. He was, if you remember this story, Cam Lampkin starting corner at Utah State last year. Entered the transfer portal, committed to UNLV last month. Now he's not coming to UNLV, and instead he's going to Washington State. Got sold on that Pac-12. Got to be your Pac-12 <laughs> player, man. Well, you remember when we talked about him coming to UNLV, we were both like, 
this is kind of confusing. Yeah. This guy yeah. started, I think, all but one game on, for on Utah State. The best team. Yeah. The team, one of, one good, of the best A teams. good Mountain yeah. West team last one year. One of the best teams. Why would he transfer to UNLV? And we were like, it would make sense if he went to a Pac-12 school. And here he goes. And I don't know why there was this weird step in the middle of him coming to UNLV, but now he's going to a Pac-12 school. It just makes more sense. There's more logic yeah. to it that you would leave Utah State for the Pac-12, then leave Utah State for UNLV. So UNLV lost corner. They did get another corner commit. I forgot to put his name in the rundown, so I forgot it. But they did pick up another commit uh, in the transfer portal that plays corner. So that's clearly something Marcus Arroyo thinks that he needs. Coming up next, Luka Doncic. That guy's really good at basketball, isn't he? You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. Did the Phoenix Suns just have the worst Game 7 performance ever? I don't have the list in front of me, but it was one of the worst performances Down ever. Down 30 at halftime. Huh? Chris Paul looks old. It's the largest halftime deficit any team has ever had in, in a Game, game seven. 7. And this was a one seed at home. This is a team that won the West last year, had the best record in the NBA this season to Luka Doncic, and the Dallas Mavericks. Chris Paul and Devin Booker did not make a field goal. Neither one of them in the first half. Three More surprised at Booker. I, I don't know what. I think Jared's right. I mean, Chris Paul, these last several games after game two, just looked lost and old. D- is it over for him? Like, did we just witness the I mean, end I of guess Chris he Paul? walked off. He left the arena last night with, what they say, a quad pulled, injury. A quad injury. I mean. He had, I think he comes back, but I think it's also probably over for him. He had 19 points in game one, 28 in game two. And after game two, we came on the show. I was like, man, Chris Paul taking over games at the end of the fourth quarter is something that's fun to watch because he'll, he'll carve you up and there's nothing you can seemingly do about it despite him being shorter than everybody else on the floor. Since then, he scored 12, 5, 7, 13, and 10. Surprised he got 10 yesterday. Yeah, well, when you're down 35, the other team's not trying quite <laughs> as hard defensively. I... I don't know because he's older, but he's been, he was very good last year. He was very good in game two. It was like a week ago that he was awesome and won a game, won a playoff game for the Suns. And I don't know if I'm looking at this thinking, well, that was a fluke or if we did just see the end of Chris Paul being a legitimate, like, hey, one or two player on an NBA contender. Was that were those performances that were like, whoa, Chris Paul, was that like the last of his old man strength? Like him just be like, all right, I'm not going out like this. I mean, 37. <laughs> it's old. Yeah, it's old. But like, again, a week ago, he was great. Yeah. Like, d- does he have one game in him a week? Is maybe that what we have maybe now? Maybe one game in him in a series. He needs to play 30 games the regular season. And then <laughs> you get him in games one and game six of a postseason series. And that's it. I just, I don't know if that's it for Chris Paul as a significant player on a contender or if that was just a weird fluke and he'll be perfectly fine. Maybe he never got over season. the poor kid yelling at his mom and his wife. Yeah. You, you, poor kid in that oh, no. You give that his mom a hug and it just, <laughs> it ends just Chris blows. Paul. By the way, like the Raider story, there's got to be something more to that too. Oh, what that hug? <laughs> that was he, weird. He gave Chris Paul's wife a hug and we banned him for a year. <laughs> what? <laughs> Although I don't know why you're hugging people. I mean, yes. I mean, why are you hugging but people? But banned hey. for a year. Hey. There's nothing wrong with hugs. Oh, I, I got to assume it was more. There was a little, little more handsy than just a hug, <laughs> is what I'm guessing there. A little more handsy than just a standard hug, maybe there. So, 
The Dallas Mavericks. Can they do this? Luka Doncic. Can okay. Jalen Brunson and Spencer Dinwiddie still play like that? Can he? Can they play Listen, like that for entire I made fun of Spencer Dinwiddie in round one when they didn't have Luka. And or and Jalen Brunson has been great since He's been then. great. He's Spencer been great. Dinwiddie was Utah. awesome yesterday. Yeah. And I... But here's don't they the, have to do that? Here's okay. The Dallas Mavericks went down three two in this series, and Luca leaving the court in Game Five. Do you remember? Did you see this when he's leaving the court? Said everybody acts tough when they're up. And after that, after he said that, after Game Five, they blew the Suns out in back to back games. They won Game Six by what twenty seven, right? And then last night won by thirty plus and were up by forty in the third quarter. They dominated Phoenix and. The fascinating part to me, Luka was awesome on offense, but we expect that, right? Like, that's why Luka Doncic has been so good. Yeah, he's amazing. He's awesome amazing. on offense. Luka was not a liability on defense. That game, too, when Chris Paul kind of took over, they were picking on Luka Doncic. They were seeking out Luka defensively. That didn't matter in these last two games. They could seek out Luka all they wanted. They couldn't score. Phoenix could not score on Dallas in back They couldn't stop him games. at the other end. And if if Dallas is going to play really good defense like they did in those two games against Phoenix, they might win the NBA championship oh. because Luka's that good that if you get great defense, even if Spencer Dinwiddie and Jalen Brunson aren't great, if you get great defense and Luka is that good, you can win the title. Are you telling me they can beat the Warriors? If their defense is that legitimate, and that's where it kind of goes back to the Chris Paul question. Was that about Chris Paul being 37 and it's it's over for him? Or was that about the Dallas Mavericks being legitimately good defensively? I think it could be both. Because, I think there's a chance it could be both. Because if it's Chris Paul's 37, then we're about to see Jordan Poole have like a 45-point right. game. And we're looking around saying, Jesus, the Warriors aren't losing right. a single game in the series. But if, if it has a lot to do with Dallas just simply being good defensively, the Mavericks have a legitimate shot in this series. So, man, he's just... Was so good offensively in that game. Was terrific. He's amazing. In that game. It's and it was too amazing player. Like the Phoenix Suns in that game put DeAndre Ayton on Luka Doncic, and they would seek out the 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 Mavericks would seek out some switches so they could get like Chris Paul on him because there's a whole right. foot difference right. and that makes things much easier. But even when they didn't get it, there were a couple of possessions where Luka went into the paint against Ayton. Couldn't get all the way to the rim because DeAndre Ayton's big. And Luka just took a fadeaway 12-foot jumper. And made it. And knocked down multiple right. of those against Ayton. And it's like, if he's going to do that when you put a 7-footer on him, and you can't put a guy that's like 6'8 well, or shorter because he'll just shoot over And the Warriors them, are small anyway. Who do you defend him with? Like, Draymond Green obviously is who the Warriors Well, that's what they said at the end of the game yesterday. Right. But is he going to just shoot over Draymond Green? Like Draymond's I mean, he can. not Draymond's not Is he gonna make the shots? Right. Draymond's not truly bothering his shots enough. No. There's enough of a height difference there that Luca can shoot over him. Is he gonna make that fall away twelve foot jumper whenever he wants for the rest of the postseason? Remember though, Draymond can't control his body once he goes up in the air. Oh, Luca's getting That's kicked. <laughs> He's yeah, getting kicked somewhere. Yeah. He's getting kicked somewhere. That's not going to be fun. I mean, can he keep making those shots? That's the key. Can he keep making those fall away threes? Can he keep making those turnaround 12-footers? Yes. I mean, if he can, 
Yeah. I mean, he's that good. He's, he's an amazing player. He's incredible. And if he does any level, he doesn't have to be as good as he was last night because that was ridiculous. But if he does any level of that and they are legitimately good on defense. And Brunson and Dinwiddie do something. Just a little I mean, bit, honestly. I mean, hell, compare it to the Bucks in this last series against Boston. They almost won that series, and it was basically just and it's Giannis just, it's on it's offense, just Giannis. right? Drew Holiday took a lot of shots, didn't make many of them, but it was basically just Giannis. But the reason the Bucs almost won that series is because they were really good defensively until all the threes in game seven. They were really good defensively, and Giannis is great. That would be the same if, thing. If, they, if they're legitimately good defensively, that's the same sort of uh, formula for winning. And it's it's a small margin for error because... You know, you get one Grant Williams game where right. he's seven of seventeen you get, from you three. Get Andrew Wiggins doing the same thing, right? And you look around and say, "Okay, we're not we're not winning if Andrew Wiggins is knocking down seven threes or whatever." But there is a formula there for the Dallas Mavericks to actually win, even though I think the Warriors are winning the West. I think the Warriors are coming out of the West, and we're getting yeah. Warrior Celtics in the finals. But I think there's a legitimate path. I'll, I'll put it this way. The Mavericks have a better chance to go to the NBA Finals than the Miami Heat. Totally agree with that. Totally agree with that. We hate I think the, the Celtics heat. right we now. We do not like the Heat on this. You guys put Spolster in the Hall of Fame. Well, I, but he, we have completely be, cast that team off. He can be in the Hall of Fame, and we can think his team's not very good. <laughs> we have completely oh. shunned that team. That team is doing remarkably well for how bad they are, <laughs> thanks to their Hall of Fame coach. We have this team is in the Eastern Conference Finals. As the number one seed. And we're like, no chance. Right. Bums. Yeah. They're not going anywhere. And we've been doing it the whole postseason. And they're still, yeah, they're we still We've picked here. everybody but them. <laughs> it, is a, it is a tribute to their coach, the Hall of Famer, yes. Eric Spolstra. They're, they're that, the number one that, seed. They're not only the number one seed, but they have lasted as long as they have. <laughs> Shouldn't they be favored? They're the number one seed. No, the Celtics are good. They they might the Celtics might have the two best players in the whole series. Given what you think of Jimmy Butler, maybe Jimmy it's Butler true. is better than Jalen Brown. But the best two players in the series might simply be Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown. And if you have the two best, how the hell you lose? Yeah, it? like it, it comes really hard, especially to lose with how they defend. If you've got the two best, all right. Coming up next, Adam Candy joins the show. We're back to the press box morning show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff. Joining us now is Adam Candy. Adam, do you believe Game 7 between Milwaukee and Boston was poorly officiated? I don't think it would have mattered whether it was poorly (laughs) officiated, well officiated. When you make four threes, no official can help you. (laughs) I mean, call some more fouls, give them some free throws there. It would have helped there. Um, That entire series between Milwaukee and Boston, it felt like there were more offensive fouls called in that series than the entirety of NBA history. Um, is that, do you look at that and say that might be more of a credit to just how good Milwaukee and Boston were defensively, plus the general style of Giannis just trying to run people over to get dunks? I'm not even sure Giannis is trying to run people over. I just think that Giannis coming downhill is going to result in, you know, inelastic collisions. Like it's going to lead to things that give you the opportunity to call offensive fouls. And when you've got Marcus Smart setting up in the middle of the lane, pretty much anticipating that is my only way of being able to guard Giannis, then yeah, like you're going to see that 
called more often realize also as well these are two of the best defensive teams in the nba uh, that's been the the boston and milwaukee trademark uh, throughout the last couple of years especially this past second half of the season for the boston celtics so uh, offensive fouls are a situation where you don't see it called as often you often see it called a block when teams are just not good at it right when teams are late defensively when they're late getting over when they don't uh, when they don't know what the scouting report is. And obviously, like you mentioned, if, if the scouting report is Giannis is going to get downhill, then you're going to try to take that charge because as a defense, Giannis pulls up from 17 is a lot better than Giannis drives down the lane. Adam, did they even need official for the Mavs and Suns, and is Chris Paul too old? Uh, I believe that they could have gone with the old like rec ball one official didn't show up and so (laughs) we're just gonna have the other referee stay at the trail position the entire day and call fouls from 28 feet like it really was completely unnecessary for that particular game look we can't say chris paul is too old after we watched chris paul dominate in round one uh what we can say is that this mavericks team reconfigured without Chris Tapp's Porzingis makes a lot more sense, right? They, they went and played a whole lot of five out offense so that they could get the matchups that they wanted to get. Uh, that's exactly what they did to the Suns for the bulk of that series. Um, I think what you're seeing right now with Dallas is that the NBA isn't quite as stupid as hockey as Tyler likes to talk about it. But dumb, dumb is the right word, not stupid always. Oh, thank you for yeah. adding all. Thank you for adding always at the end, so that you could take the shot you wanted to take at me, but then just kind of qualify it at the end. Yep. That's peak Bischoff. It uh, is. Good to see that uh, <laughs> slightly invasive surgery does not change what's inside <laughs> you. Um, well, so, hey, hey, hey. So, yeah, no, Chris Paul's not too old. I don't mind running it back with with this Phoenix Suns team, um, but I think what you are seeing with the Suns is the problem might not be Chris Paul. The problem might be trying to figure out a way to put DeAndre Ayton into a 2022 defense in particular and to have to force in the ball offensively. It's not a situation where he's as limited as Rudy Gobert at the offensive end, but you are playing five on four and a half in a lot of cases. Do we need to start criticizing NBA coaches as much or more then we criticize NFL coaches for how they use their challenges. No, it's not as effectual, right? I mean, you get the one challenge in the NBA and you got to fire it off. And I think what you probably don't have is as much research into how to use it, right? We know in the NFL that this is the sort of thing that's studied. You're trying to figure out how to use those challenges throughout the game. And you, the clock matters so much in the NFL that losing a timeout in the NFL and losing 40 seconds potentially in the second half is way more impactful than whatever's going to happen in the NBA in terms of using that challenge. What we do need to look at in terms of using the challenge is the idea that there are only certain types of calls that you're going to have a really good chance of getting overturned. Challenging a block charge play is not a smart use of a challenge because there is so much interpretation to be had on that play. Challenging who touched the ball last on an out of bounds, yeah, 
that's one where you really can make a big difference. So it's more a matter of understanding what calls are clear and obvious chances to overturn versus which ones are such judgment, like when we had the farce of challenging pass interference for a year in the NFL. Better chance of both underdogs. Who has a better chance of advancing? Oh, man. Uh, the Golden State Warriors, to me, are still a house. Like th- This is a team that is not going to uh, be phased at all by looking over at the Dallas Mavericks and going, wow, they're hitting so many threes. How are we going to come back on them? Yeah, not really a problem for <laughs> Golden State. Um, on the other side, look, this Celtics team is pretty outstanding. Uh, defensively especially, Jason Tatum had one of those moments in Game 6 that – it's not like it's a question of momentum with Jason Tatum. It's more a matter of when you've got a guy at that supernova level of talent, when he takes the step up, he usually doesn't take the step back down. And when you've got the supporting cast playing the way it is right now, you know, Al Horford on his deal with the devil and Robert Williams seeming to uh, have overcome most of the health problems. I think the Celtics have a really good chance of getting through Miami. Are the Yankees actually this good? No, not at all. They're they're look they're they're they're, they're twenty five and nine. They're twenty five and nine. And Joe Sheehan brought up the best point you're going to see about the New York Yankees. He said everybody's going out there praising the Yankees for changing the offense. And yes, they are trying to take more bases and steal more often, et cetera, et cetera. But they're still scoring more than half their runs via the home run. They've still played a whole lot of games against Baltimore. And the bad Toronto bullpen and whatever in the hell is going on with the Tony La Russa White Sox, which, by the way, since they're the Tony La Russa White Sox, is delicious. I love watching it happen. Uh, just couldn't happen to a nicer drunk. So, yeah, the, uh, the New York Yankees are not nearly this good, but the problem for the rest of the AL East is they haven't been good either. So Boston is 12 behind the Yankees. Toronto is seven and a half behind the Yankees. Tampa's four and a half behind. Uh, these are the sorts of things that matter later in the year that these wins count too. Okay, let me ask it to you this way. Fan graphs right now have the Yankees with the third best odds to win the World Series. Is that too high? So the Dodgers should have better odds to win the World Series. Um in my opinion, the Padres should have better odds to win the World Series because I think the pitching top to bottom is more sustainable. Uh, whatever you think of the Mets, I don't know. I, I Honestly, if you want to ask me about a New York team and be like, is this New York baseball team for real? Like, what's going on with the Mets? Uh, no, I don't think they should have the third best odds right now. Should they be maybe top five, top six? Yeah, because I do think the bullpen is sustainable with what the Yankees are doing. I just don't expect nasty Nestor Cortez to be mustachioing his way through the heart of every other lineup he sees for the entire year. We get a Yankees fan on here. The Yankees are 25 and nine, and he just hates on them the whole time. What, what is this? Sounds like right after with the I Dodgers. Ca- right after I just said the bullpen is that good. Yeah. Okay. You the know least what? important Let's- part of the entire team. No, it's really not because the Yankees will only push their starters five innings. They're asking four innings out of their bullpen every single tonight that they go out there. That's really important for the Yankees. Right now, it, there are no A and B relievers for the New York Yankees. not like, oh, no, Aroldis Chapman's not available. How are they going to get through it? No, they're they're getting good throwing uh, out of guys like Ron Marinaccio. Like, Ron Marinaccio sounds like one of those not David real. Roth characters from... <laughs> 
RBI baseball in the nineties, right? Like Bobson Dugnut. <laughs> what did you think of the no hitter? Oh, how perfect. Is that not peak Reds, by the yes. way? That yes. is just peak Cincinnati Reds. Don't you try to fool me with a little four out of five game winning stretch. <laughs> I know who you really are. I know who you really are. You're a team that, much like my Yankees in the 80s with Andy Hawkins, you can throw <laughs> a no-hitter and lose a game. By the way, the Yankees gave up two runs in that game uh, against Chicago and lost That's a, impressive. A, a, That's a no-hitter in the 80s. Even more impressive, yeah, but then one. Yeah. Right. Well, the Yankees, the Yankees uh, lost that one to the White Sox uh, back in the 80s. But the old Melito Perez days, that was a lot of fun. Uh, boy, we we're building a new audience moment by Melito <laughs> Perez moment here, aren't we, guys? Uh, why, haven't, why haven't we talked about what should be the biggest story in Las Vegas? Look, look what's happening with the Golden Knights right now. Uh, congratulations to Tomas Nosek, to Eric Halla, to David Perron. <laughs> to Ryan Reeves, to Gerard Gallant. The 2017 Golden Knights are steaming through the playoffs right now. No, didn't you hear Kelly McCrimmon? That that was unsustainable. What the 2017 team, they couldn't do it again. No, they're just doing it for every yeah. other team in the NHL right now. <laughs> couldn't happen here. If they kept them all together, it's impossible for that to have happened again. Right. I mean, who who can afford Tomas Nosek on this budget? <laughs> in this economy, there's inflation. Listen, uh, the funniest thing about Tomas Nosek is during that game, the announcers went for like, this line has struggled to score. Tomas Nosek hasn't scored since January 6th. Yeah. I mean, have you watched Tomas Nosek play? I have. I, I, like if if we want to go back to game one of the Stanley Cup Finals, you can look for Tomas oh, Nosek right. to score. Oh yeah, yeah. Is he? Oh, oh yeah. Oh great, great uh, little Tomas Nosek. I know. By the way, I was stringing that series as you uh, as you uh, pointed out to me during the time for the uh, Detroit Free Press, and they of course were very excited about the idea of getting a Tomas Nosek story. Uh, him having spent some time there, so. Um, it, you know, I'm going to skate the next day to get some Tomas Nosek quotes. I show up to the rink, I look around, and I'm like, "There's nobody here. What? What did I? What did I do wrong?" And then I see a couple of the Capitals go by, and I'm like, "What? Wait a minute, what did I?" And then I realized, hold on a second, are the Golden Knights skating at City National today? Because oh. I'm at T-Mobile Arena, oh. Um, oh. and it was Capital Skate. Um, I'm furiously texting PR staff over at the Golden Knights, like, "Hey, is there any chance you could get him to stay for like five minutes?" Um, it, it, it didn't work out. Uh, I thankfully was bailed out by the fact that Willie Ramirez had uh, talked to Tomas Nosek and was kind enough to share the quotes he wasn't using. Uh, it was a Look desperate, desperate sort of day. Pops comes desperate. through. Willie comes through. Look at yeah, Willie. Yeah, pops comes through. There you go. All right. Willie, Willie's the best. Willie had Chick-fil-A after his knee surgery, just like me and my colonoscopy. He knows what's up, and he helped out. Yeah, well, it's basically listen, the one, same thing. Once you clear everything out, you might as well put only the best back. Only the right? best. Yeah. Only yeah. the best. All right, Adam. He's Adam Candy. Follow him on Twitter, at Adam Candy. Adam, thank Thanks, you so Adam. much. Thanks, Adam. Appreciate it. All right, boys. Talk to you soon. Take care. So there's Adam Candy, Yankees fan who doesn't think the Yankees are actually good. <laughs> They've lost nine games. <laughs> They're 25 and 9. <laughs> The Reds lost like 30 in a row. We haven't played 30 games yet. That's great. You and him are the worst. Wait, are you like a week ago? You're like, ah, Dodgers in first place. Who cares? Are you still that way? They well, they're still in first place. Okay. All right. I'm just, they lost <laughs> I four in a row. Yeah. No, I don't well, know listen, what to make listen. of you right now. You do, because I've told you this in the past. When they lost the first three this weekend, I never threw the remote. 
I threw the remote two times. When they lose to people they shouldn't, or when they blow, like the bullpen comes in and starts walking people and blow games. Like when Bryce Harper's sitting doubles and home runs, it's like the tease. Like I love watching it. Like Bryce Harper was amazing. Okay. Bryce Harper was a monster this week. Okay. All right. right? Yep. Yep. When they're, lo- when they're losing like 12 times, like, eh, you know, they, they're pitching stinks and they got beat. If they're like two, 3 1 in the ninth and against a bad team and give that uh, lead up, the dinner's going against the wall. <laughs> I mean, that's that's when I. He bought you the remote. And, and, and the remote. That's when it gets crazy at the house. Not when Bryce Harper is like seven of nine with four doubles and two home runs. So you can you can accept good players from good teams. Yes, love watching them. Okay, it's just you know the eight hitter on the Diamondbacks yes. taking. Yes, and they're about to play the Diamondbacks. Yeah, like three or four in a row because they have a doubleheader tomorrow. Now if you so if they Seth lose that Beer series, hits like a game winning yes, home if run. If they lose that series, then you will hear the remote <laughs> hit the wall from here. Yes. All right, coming up next, we found Mike Gravala's favorite quarterback. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, Sam Howell is basically Mike Gravala, but now an NFL quarterback. Uh, Sam Howell, who went to North Carolina and is now was drafted by the Washington Commanders. He has never tried a burger or a steak, and won't eat seafood. <laughs> he orders chicken tenders at steakhouses and brings his yep. own tenders to team dinners. That That's something Mike Grimala needs to be taking notes on. Right. He does, Mike yeah. does not do that. Mike needs to not, literally show, not do that. show up with dino bites yeah. to Raider Stadium and go up to one of the staff and go, I noticed there's a microwave right there. Why don't you go ahead and set me up? Okay. Am I wrong for not believing him when he says he's never tried a burger or a steak? Um, I think when guys say these things, wouldn't it be easy for someone who's been with this kid to say, yeah, he had a burger? Or like, I'm, like you're telling me seven-year-old Sam Howell never, like, his dad grilled a, yeah. grilled burgers or something? Todd Marinovich. Yeah. Oh God. Can't have a burger. He'd Can't bring have... his own. He would bring his own cake to yes. birthday parties so that his son wouldn't eat refined sugar because it didn't have sugar. Yeah, he didn't want to have refined sugar in it. Man, I just, I don't know. I can't. I can't figure that out. The the never tried a burger or a steak jumps out, and maybe he just means like you know since he's been twelve or something since he's had the authority to choose what he eats. Maybe by then, but. No how do burger. you go around bringing your own chicken tenders to everything? Yeah, and like how do you what's keep the them warm? yeah? What's the process? How do you here? keep them warm? Well, maybe Jared's right. He, maybe there's a there's a microwave, and he asks him to heat it well, up. Well, do we think that he runs through like canes every time he's going to a team dinner and just just shows up with canes, or Either does he have a bag of house. frozen chicken yeah. tenders and he shows up and he's like, "Where's the microwave? You got a microwave? You got an oven or something? I need to heat up my like." It's a nightmare, isn't it? I think it'd be more apt that he runs through somewhere. I think so, too. I think he's like, you know, wherever. Well, a lot of places have chicken tenders. It would be funny if he showed up with a bag of frozen, of frozen ones. <laughs> There's got to be a microwave somewhere at team dinners. It's, hey, guys. Enjoy your pasta. Mike Ramallah's favorite QB. I'm heating up chicken tenders. Sam Howell. I... I it's unbelievable. I it's, Well, it's unbelievable that at team dinners they don't have chicken. 
Well, now they're going to. I mean, the commander's <laughs> like, oh, my God, this guy's here. we got to eat more chicken. Well, we can't have any red meat. Tell the offensive lineman that. Well, it's like, I don't know. Like, if you just had a team dinner at a restaurant that doesn't serve chicken tenders or something. Well, just have a chicken breast. He says he eats chicken. I guess. But, like, okay, let me, well, okay, hypothetical. It's like, hey, he's in college, so they're not going to, like, nice restaurants. They're like, hey, Sam, we're going to In-N-Out. We're going to Five Guys. Grilled cheese. No, they got no, fries, no. yeah. Uh, grilled cheese at In-N-Out. We get that. We get he, the does he cheese. eat grilled cheese? I, we don't, I don't know. know. I don't know. He did, he, I think it's just the meat part. Like, is he running through canes before meeting up with his teammates at Five Guys and eats the chicken tenders? Can you there? imagine that? His boys are at in and out getting all these burgers. Uh, and, hey, Sammy, <laughs> how's the chicken? Do you ever do I, the grilled cheese at in and out? No, my girlfriend does. Yeah. But no, I like I mean, it's in and out. It's probably so. my favorite thing to eat at in and out. Really? Jared doesn't like in and out. Ding, ding, ding. Oh, yeah. okay. He's an idiot. Right. It's the most overrated thing I've ever had in my entire life. Really? Yeah. It's delicious. It's, it's fine. Hands down, the best fast food burger. Not even country. close. It's not even top three. What are yours? Uh, I'd go Five Guys, What a Burger, and possibly, like, depending on the location, Fuddruckers. Oh, Fuddruckers is good. Very fresh. Very fresh. Fuddruckers Fud is not fast food. I said, depending on the location. Yeah. In the Midwest, they have yeah, drive throughs. Way too. Yeah, it's. With all the fresh vegetables and everything. Name your best yeah. fast food burger. Yeah. Fuddruckers? Yeah. What are you talking about? Yes, there are better burgers than In-N-Out. Yeah, Whataburger, for sure. There are no better fast food burgers than In-N-Out. Whataburger is delicious because of all the things that are not a burger at Whataburger. The Whataburger is amazing. Stuff? Oh, yeah. It's, they got like a full fast food menu. And you okay. can order like breakfast menu item stuff 24-7. It's okay. terrific. Honey chicken biscuits. The best thing at Whataburger. It's not even remotely close. Don't get a burger if you go to Whataburger. I should go there is one what time. I'm telling you. you should. And get a burger. It's good. Just <laughs> don't get a burger because there's better ones that in and out. Why not both?